0: Welcome to Improv Interviews, Carla and Craig Khalski. How delightful to see you today. Hi. Hi, Margot. I don't know if you remember me. I took a class with you a year or two ago at Will's Festival. Yeah, it was I remember. Such a great workshop. It was wonderful. So I've used that material.
1: Thank you. That's Sarasota Improv
0: Fest
2: 2018.
0: 2018. That is correct. And you've both been very, very busy since then, I know. So here's my first question. How did you meet?
1: Um, Craig and I met at Second City um, in 2003, I think, in, uh, in Los Angeles. Second City, LA. Okay. Yeah. And uh, what's your favorite color? No. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, and had you been doing improv before that, Carla? Um, I had been, I took classes in Chicago uh, before that, and then I moved out to Los Angeles, and I was finishing up my classes at Second City. Okay, and Craig,
0: did you start in Chicago and then go to LA?
2: Technically, I started in college in Virginia uh, about 30 years ago. At William & Mary? At William & Mary, and then I moved to Chicago in 1992, and I started studying at the Improv Olympic there. Okay. Uh, and I also worked for Second City in Chicago, so I spent about 11 years in Chicago before I moved to LA.
0: And I think I read that your first class was with Sharna and Helpern.
2: Yeah. And yeah, you she was:
0: <laughs> I
2: was hooked right away.:
0: <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too. And then you studied with Dell.
2: Dell Close. Yeah. at the time there was only three levels at Improv Olympic. Uh, Sharna was level one there were various teachers for level two and then level three was Dell and you stayed with Dell as long as you wanted to. So I I probably did Dell's class about five times in a row.
0: Wow. Great for you. And then were you teaching there before you moved to Second City, LA?
2: Yes. I started teaching in 95 for, uh, for IO Chicago.
0: And Carla, before you, before you did improv, you're an actor.
1: Yeah, so I um I actually fell into improv because I was acting in Chicago and it just seemed like everybody who was an actor in Chicago had also done improv. <laughs> and right. so uh, I started studying improv and then started focusing more on improv than acting.
0: That's terrific. And mm-hmm. so when you met each other was it like the experience you had when you took the class with Sharna, when you saw Carla, you went
2: <laughs> 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 Well, we had have- mutual <laughs> We had mutual friends right away. We were both dating other people. So uh, we didn't become a couple till three or four years after we first met, uh, but we were friendly. we were part of the same social group at Second City Hollywood.
0: Okay. And Carla, um, was he your teacher?
1: He was, yeah, initially. Mm-hmm.
0: Initially. And then once you started a relationship, was he still your teacher?
1: No, he was not. We didn't start a relationship until maybe two or three years after he was my teacher.
0: Oh, okay, good. Because yeah. there've been a lot of scandals in the improv world with You te- Sure
1: have, yeah, but not us. <laughs> <laughs> You're clean. You're yeah, clean. we're clean. <laughs> you now, Orange
0: Tuxedo is your where you work today. Is that Orange Tuxedo? Is that the name of your group that you play with?
2: That's our duo. Yes.
0: Yeah. But then you have some other groups you're involved with, correct?
1: Yeah, I, uh, I still teach at Second City occasionally. And um, I'm also the training center director at the West Side Comedy Theater in Santa Monica. And so I play with a team there called County Line. And that's more of an ensemble house team. And how about you?
2: Uh, I have a long running trio called Dasaryski with Rich Talarico and Bob Dassey. Uh, I also have a group called Quartet, which is always four people, but is always rotating. Who those four people are and uh my main theater in hollywood uh io west closed down last year so i'm kind of a free agent uh in la i do stuff at the west side where carla works i do stuff at second city and i do stuff at upright citizens brigade
0: and you do that when you're not traveling all over the world both of you you worked on norwegian
1: lines at one point I did, yeah. I worked for Second City on uh, Nor- Norwegian clu- cruise lines. Craig actually did as well. For a we did
2: bit. one cruise together.
1: And then I did a couple more after that by myself. Um, but yeah, uh, and it took me all over the world. It was really exciting and fun. Do
0: you, I don't know if you know Nancy Howard Walker and uh, Marshall Stern. No. Mm-mm. Oh, Nancy Walker's tremendous. She's a musical improv person, and Marshall's a great improviser, and he wrote a book called Zen He's a meditator. Oh, and cool! they take six months of the year on cruise lines and wow. Zen Buddhism, as well as improv. They're a great couple and they're building a retreat house in Michigan right now out in the woods. Oh, how cool. Really cool. So you're the second couple I've interviewed. <laughs> <laughs> so improv, I got addicted right away. I couldn't wait to perform. And I shudder to think of what I was like back then. But I'd like to ask both of you the same question. What is your approach in brand new students, when you're having students that have never done improv at all?
1: Um, I think for me in all of my introductory classes, the focus is more on fun uh, than rules. <laughs> um, and I think like just giving people the opportunity to try things and knowing that it's a safe space to fail in like those are kind of the priorities that I have when I'm teaching uh, younger improvisers.
2: I rarely teach. I rarely teach introductory levels. So luckily, I, I usually don't have the very newbies. Uh, but i try to be kind and supportive (laughs) uh when there's people who are struggling in my classes uh or people who don't have a lot of stage experience before coming to improv i really think improv is such an accepting art form and whether you're a trained actor trained writer uh or a business person or just somebody who's looking to have fun like everybody deserves the same amount of consideration you know And uh, I I agree with Carla that it's about fun and playfulness first, you know. Don't let them get too analytical about it because it takes years to really be able to be the right kind of in your head. Uh, I think early on you want to get them out of their head and just supporting other people's moves and being playful.
0: Exactly. I don't even use the word rules anymore. Because and there's a lot of people that talk about that. I've studied a little bit more with Dave Rosowski, mm-hmm. and he's a great one for just starting in, you know, mm-hmm. and no expectations, because people get so bound up by the rules. If I do that thing about questions, and every time there's a question, they're going, "Oh, I, you know, I made a mistake," and that's just death, I think, you know. So yeah, I yeah. teach that thing to da when they make a mistake. If they think they've made a mistake, they do to da or circus mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that's Um, so I also use mindfulness. Do either of you use any kind of mindfulness? I think improv is mindfulness. You have to be here in the present moment and really looking at your partner at the same time, but
1: Um, no, I don't think I I don't know beyond that. I'm not sure what you mean by mindfulness. What what do you mean?
0: Mindfulness be in the present moment without judging. Mm -hmm. Right. Basic definition. And then I teach some mindfulness exercises where I get them into their bodies. Mm. You know, they do a little bit of breathing. I don't mess with the breath too much in the beginning. I just say, pay attention to breathing in and out, and then feel the pulse in your left thumb.
1: Oh, I see. (laughs) Kind of like a meditation. It's kind of like a meditation.
0: And a lot of people can't even feel their right thumb, let alone. Oh, interesting. (laughs) <laughs> but I get them into their bodies and identify their body because there's such physical work in improv as well.
1: Right. Yeah, no, that's really cool.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not well well versed enough in mindfulness to be able to, to pass that along. But probably uh, just from over the years, I might know some of that stuff instinctively. Uh, but yeah, I think the early moments of a scene are so important of just getting players to be able to make eye contact, be aware of themselves, be aware of what the other person is doing. And the the more you can check in in that first moment and really connect with your partner, the less thinking you have to do later. Yeah,
0: exactly. Mm-hmm. So Carla,
1: when you're teaching, you teach level one. You call it level one out there? Sometimes, yeah. I teach, I, I actually teach all the levels because... Um, they just put me. They put me all over the place. So
2: <laughs> okay. I teach.
1: Sometimes I teach intro students, and sometimes I teach the conservatory at Second City. When I'm teaching in Santa Monica, I'll often teach the grad level, that sort of thing. Okay.
0: So, what kind of games do you use in the first class or so? What is um, games you like to play.
1: I'm sorry. Can you repeat it? You cut out for a second. What are the f- f- favorite games you like to play. Oh, favorite games, um, for,
2: for beginners
1: for beginners. Oh, sure. Um, I really like uh, new choice. I think that's super fun, which is also sometimes called take that back. Um, um can you explain that game. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, the improvisers start, um, a scene and they have their who, what, where, and then at a certain point, uh, the host will clap in and say new choice and whatever the thing the improviser just said or did, they have to do something new or say something new. Got it, got it. Yeah, and I think that's a really fun one in terms of uh, just kind of reaffirming the idea that whatever you say, it doesn't necessarily matter, it's how you say it uh, and, and having the emotion carry you through.
0: We use a bell ringer.
1: Yep, <laughs> yep, that's another version. Yep, I love that game, I think that's fun. And what else? Um,
2: I never get tired of one word story. Mm. Uh, So one word story when you're just telling a story around the circle one word at a time. I like to do the version where rather than go in a circle, you can just direct the next word at anybody. So you have to kind of be prepared for the story to come to you at any point. And I like it because it promotes long term, medium term and short term listening i.e. you're in the word that you're in, the sentence that you're in, and the story that you're in. In the same way that when you're in an improv show, you're in the moment that you're in, the scene that you're in, and the show that you're in. And you have to kind of be able to compartmentalize your brain in that way. And in a one word story, uh, particularly with a really big group, you personally don't have a lot of control over it. You've got maybe one twelfth control and improvisers need to get used to that level of control and that level of acceptance of the story that the group wants to tell, uh, rather than the story that you personally, individually would tell.
0: Oh, I love that. I think that's Mm -hmm. great. Sometimes I use a story spine. I work with people with Parkinson's and some dementia. Mm -hmm. So I have plastic little uh, slips of paper, once upon a time and everything like that. So um, yeah, yeah, that's fun for people who may not be able to remember as much. And Mm -hmm. also fortunately, unfortunately, have you ever played that one? Yes. That's no. How does that go? Yeah. So, what other games, uh, Craig?
2: Uh, I like I like freeze tag too. Like a lot of the early games that uh, I first learned, even in college when we were doing short form games. So, freeze tag is two people doing a scene. Any moment during that scene, one of the players in the back line can call out freeze, tap one of the players out, assume their exact position, uh, and then transform it to an entirely different scene, justifying those positions in a new way. Uh, And I like it because it really uh, helps you practice strong scene starts. Um, Even though like the scene might get edited after five or 10 seconds, you get in the habit of strong initiations, strong responses to those initiations, uh, being specific right away, being physical right away, being emotional right away. Because when you get tagged out after a 10 second scene that wasn't very good, you really feel it. Like, like, well, I did nothing in that 10 seconds. And it gets you in the habit of uh, making the most of your time that's, that's up there, uh, even if it's very brief of, making sure that you personally are having the maximum amount of fun and making the most specific choices you can make, uh, verbally, physically, and emotionally.
0: It's all about the fun, isn't it? Now, have you been in like Armando Diaz, um, troops? Have you done the,
1: is it the Armando Diaz?
2: Yeah. And have you done yeah.
1: it together? Have we ever done it together? Is that what you yeah. asked? Uh, We've done Armando style shows together, but I've never done the Armando in terms of the actual literal show from Chicago, but Craig was in the original cast for that.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. I've seen a bunch of videos of you, and I was at the Del Close Marathon about two, three years ago now, I think. In New York? DCM, yeah. Oh, okay. uh, And you've been at DCM, too.
2: Yeah, uh, we've done it a bunch of times in New York uh, over the, like dating back to like the fourth one, I think was the first one that I did. And they just celebrated, I think the 20th. Yeah. And uh, they moved it to LA this last year and I got to perform in that one as well. Uh, but we've done Orange Tuxedo in New York uh, with the Del Close Marathon as well.
0: That's so cool. It's a wonderful festival, it really is. It's so great. Head, you know, talking about Del Close, uh, What was
2: he like? Was he fun? Fun is not one of the first words that come to mind, Uh, though he was capable of fun. uh, He was very intense and he took improv very seriously. And he'd also been around for a while. uh, And so it took a lot to impress him. And I think people who were trying to impress him were probably the people that impressed him the least. Uh, He was most interested in people who had very honest reactions, who didn't try very hard to make things funny, who kept things very real. And he was interested in people who had uh, different life experiences and backgrounds that were more unique. Uh, So, you know, I definitely was one of the, uh, you know, white guys in his early 20s uh, who Made up the bulk of the class, so I don't know that I was particularly uh, impressive or had anything uh, unique to uh, to tell Dell. But he was still relatively kind to me in, in class because I think I, uh, I I made a good effort at least. But I bet you did. Was he but he also he also set up an environment that made it comfortable to fail. Like, I think because he set the bar so high, we knew that we would probably suck most of the time, and he made it a comfortable environment in which to do so.
0: Great. Now, were you there when some people like Chris Farley was studying with him, I think?
2: Chris Farley was a little before my time. Uh, he was already uh, on Saturday Night Live when I moved to Chicago, but I did uh, work with his brothers and, uh, and met Chris uh, later when he would visit Chicago.
0: <laughs> Great talent. Now, um, Carla, you have have
1: your own podcast or a podcast that you, yeah, tell us about your podcast. Sure. It's called Improv Yak. Um, and it's a podcast, uh, not too different from this one where (laughs) I talk to improvisers. Um, generally I try to focus on, uh, something that I think that they're, they specialize in, uh, or that they're, that they get excited about. Um, though the conversation certainly goes kind of everywhere and anywhere. Um and I have I started doing it in 2015. I haven't really done any in the last year. I'm just a little improved out in terms of <laughs> uh working for a living doing improv and running a training center and teaching a lot. So uh but I hope to come back to it at some point. So what excites you? Um what excites me about improv these That's, days? Oh yeah, not Craig, you improv. <laughs> yeah. Uh you know, I I really enjoy um, smaller ensembles right now. I just did a three person show with some friends from Portland at the Detroit Improv Festival and it was so fun. And I hadn't played in a three person group in a long time. The energy is just different and the dynamic was easy uh, right away. It felt very comfortable. Uh, Sometimes I struggle in larger groups. And so that was a nice surprise and treat for me. So I think that's what excites me right now is two and three person improv. Now you were living in Portland, weren't you? I was, I lived there for a year and I was working at a comedy theater there called Curious Comedy Theater. And where are you from from originally, Carla? Originally I'm from Kentucky. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. and I was just back, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I played um, with some improvisers in Cincinnati, uh, and that was really fun too. So yeah, it was a good time.
0: <laughs> now I have heard another podcast where you talk about movies together.
1: Yes, that's uh that's more of Craig's podcast called Craigslist, where he makes right. me watch his top one hundred movies. <laughs>
0: I love that. I'm a real movie file. I used to live in Manhattan and I could go to like, on the weekends, I could go to three or four movies in one day. Oh, wow. I really love your choices. It's really fun.
2: We're getting close to the top 10. I think we're on number 11 is next, which is The Graduate. Uh, So Carla's almost in the clear. Uh, We've spent almost two years on this podcast now. uh, And she's been a good sport the whole time.
0: No, they're fabulous. I love them. It's great. I'm just, like I said, I love movies. Now, you have been in some movies and TV. Uh, TV, I'm thinking about Drunk History. Yeah. Uh, yes, Drunk History. Have you ever been in Drunk History, Carla?
1: I haven't. No. Uh-uh.
0: And, okay, so probably people ask you this all the time. You're not really drinking, are you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I personally am not because I come in at the very last portion of the show. Uh, so Derek Waters, the creator and host of the show, will have a conversation with a friend or a uh, a stand-up comedian or an actor, and they will get totally sloshed and talk about a historical event. Uh, and so they will shoot them for about five or six hours telling the story. Then it goes to the editing bay, and they cut that down to about a five to six minute clip uh of that historical story being told in chronological order then they kind of cast it uh and and then i come in as an actor and i just dub the voices of uh of derek and the drunk talking about the story it's amazing that we just got picked up for a seventh season uh i can't believe that it's lasted that long because it's such a simple premise but they've been able to find like great variety with it and uh the The audience still digs it, and uh, we keep getting nominated for Emmy Awards, so we must be doing something right. Uh, But yeah, I'm a serious actor who remains stone-cold sober uh, (laughs) on set in order to dub those voices.
0: Well, there used to be that mythology that getting drunk or high is going to make you a better performer. It just makes you sloppy and fall down, I think. But um, I was just watching the Dolly Madison one last night. That was great. You get to play these great characters. Yeah,
2: that one's a classic. That, that's one of the longest and hardest speeches I ever had to learn on that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then you were on, was it Community you were on?
2: Yeah, I did a bunch of episodes of, uh, of that show over the years. Uh, I think they had six seasons, and I was on uh, probably four of the six seasons. Uh, about ten episodes, I think. Uh, I played the cop, whose name was Officer Kukowski.
0: Right. And Veep?
2: Yeah, I did five episodes of Veep, playing a character named Cliff, uh, who is a very annoying uh, temp. Uh, uh, and it's a small part, but they kept bringing me back over the years. And uh, that's a really nice cast. And I, I always had a blast working on that show. Very proud to have uh, been a small part on that show.
0: Such, Julia Louise Dreyfus is such a wonderful improviser herself. But then you had um, Walsh. Um, Dave crazy. Piscuiz- yeah. I know Jane Morris did some. There's just a wonderful list of people who've done those.
2: Yeah, when I first did that show in their second season, they really used improv as a writing process. So I came in about a week before I shot the episode and improvised with the cast for a day. And then they rewrote that episode based on stuff that we had improvised. And then uh, on the day, they want you to say it the way that they finally wrote it. But they always incorporated cast improv as part of their process, which was pretty cool.
0: Wonderful, that's great, yeah one of my fa- I was so sad to see it go um Carla, do you have a friend with you there? I see uh there's a yeah
1: little... who's uh, that? Our dog Frankie, she's a little chihuahua, she's just trying to get my attention. her name's cranky <laughs> Frankie, <laughs> oh, Frankie.
2: <laughs> but she is often she cranky, is cranky
1: yes. <laughs>
2: she's an old lady
1: <laughs> she is yeah so you do some writing as well though, don't you Carla? I do, yeah um. I do, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm always writing something. Um, I've written a lot recently. I'm Right now, I'm actually working on a... I'm directing a play at a, a theater company here, and it's the first time I've directed just a, a straightforward play in a long time, so most of my time has been spent doing that.
0: Now, what do you do about time off and vacations because I know you travel to Europe and all over the country and you probably have some good frequent flyer miles I imagine.
1: (laughs) Well we both have freelance jobs for the most part. Um, You know Craig is an actor obviously and so he auditions for things and that keeps him pretty flexible and then with my job um, in Santa Monica you know they want me to be traveling doing improv because then I kind of spread the word about the theater. (laughs) So it's pretty easy to take time off for us to do that, which is very fortunate.
2: Yeah, as a a full-time actor and improviser, life is a vacation. (laughs) I haven't had a uh, a day job in 24 years, I think. So uh, I've been lucky enough to, Mm -hmm. you know, some years are better than others, but uh, but I've made my living via what I love to do uh, since 1995.
0: Oh, that is so fantastic. That is just beautiful. And Santa Monica is so incredibly beautiful. It's like yeah. a being in Santa Monica. There's mm-hmm. a woman who's a humorist. I used to teach workshops before I got into improv on the power of humor, play, and laughter. I'm a psychotherapist, and I would try to make wow. people happy for a little while. And her name was Annette Goodhart, and her book, her boat was called The Teehee. I always
2: that.
0: <laughs> oh, that's cute, yeah. But do you ever go places just for, to get away, someplace different?
1: Uh, we travel so much, and it's almost always for work, but we are taking a trip to New Orleans in October for Craig's birthday, so that'll be our first non-related improv trip in a, a few years.
2: Yeah, uh, we decided of I, and there's improv in New Orleans and there's contacts that I have, but we decided nothing improv related, <laughs> no shows, no workshops. We're just gonna go and stay at a nice hotel in the French Quarter and have fun.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. So um, I was we were talking about uh, freeze tag, and do you use the who uh, suggestions from the audience a lot? Uh, you- yeah. In your games, do you do much suggestion from the audience in terms of, you know, places and objects, et cetera?
1: Yeah, I think when I when I'm teaching short form, I think a big part of short form is getting suggestions from the audience. So, yeah, I definitely incorporate that.
2: Yeah. And honoring them right away, like make it clear to the audience how you're using the suggestion. Uh, for an in orange
1: short form, in short form,
2: for in short form
1: yeah.
2: Uh, for orange tuxedo, we typically just get one suggestion, usually of a location uh, to begin with, and uh, and that's all we get. So uh, we'll usually do a twenty to forty-five minute set, depending on where we're performing, uh, but usually just off of one suggestion.
0: I saw you do a suggestion of alien, oh, a cyber, cyber part man. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was for the Phoenix improv film. Oh, yeah. What was
2: that? Cyborg, right? Cyborg, yeah. Something
0: like that. And, and you had to wear two condoms. And... uh <laughs> that part. But also, when you, just, when you went back in time and Carla was thinking about why she liked you so much because of what you said. <laughs> I, I could call that codependent, maybe. I don't know. But it was really
1: <laughs>
2: Yeah, I... I I'd love to get some psychotherapy for our improv characters based on past (laughs) improv sets. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what your normal rate is, but
0: uh. (laughs) no, I think it it blends so well. When I took my first improv class, I immediately saw the connection with psychotherapy and twelve-step recovery and Mm -hmm. mindfulness. But, and I I just got back from a conference where I spoke about um, improv and taught some games for people with Parkinson's. I I taught it um, an audience of people who do parks and rec and Mm. really hope we inspired some of those people to go back home and take some improv themselves.
1: Yeah, that's nice.
2: Yeah, I think it's useful for for people in all walks of life at all times in life too. And it's, You know, with the time that I was starting uh, in college, like we thought we were one of the, uh, obviously way more people were doing it than we knew at the time, but this was pre internet and pre, you know, a lot of books being written. So we really were in isolation. Now, uh, if you're a kid growing up, like you, you can have an improv group in your middle school, in your high school, in your college, uh, you know. People start young, which I think is great because the earlier you start, the less barriers you have to overcome later in life.
1: Really.
0: It's incredible. Mm -hmm. So how old were you when you started? Um,
1: I took some improv classes in high school from what I remember. Um, And then when I got to Chicago, so probably 18 or 19. I took some improv age. classes, yeah.
0: That's a great age. Now, you collaborate so much. It's just beautiful to see. When the show is over, the show is over, technically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but have you, have you ever processed anything afterwards or not? Do you do that with yourselves?
1: We do to a certain extent, but I don't think that we do very much compared to other duos that i've spoken to (laughs) we kind of just i I feel like we just put it to rest for the most part
2: i'll say that the shows that are incredible we really don't have to talk too much about those Mm -hmm. the shows that were really awful we we definitely don't talk about those because we try to just try to shake them off it feels like it was the shows that were like almost there are the ones that we end up dissecting the most yeah. afterwards because of like all the pieces were in place and it didn't quite get there for whatever reason, or we, we just think uh, we could have done it slightly better. So uh, there are times that we get analytical, but mostly as a married couple, we can read each other's minds uh, on stage and off. So yeah. we, we don't need to talk about it too much, which is good.
1: Yeah, and we don't give each other notes, which I think is nice. <laughs> Like usually it's more like, oh, I did this thing that I wish I hadn't have done myself as opposed to, Craig, you did this thing that I wish you hadn't have done. Yeah. (laughs) So we try to keep it more more reflective of our own moves in the show than of giving each other notes on the other person's moves.
0: But sometimes that's what marriage is, people giving each other notes
1: constantly.
0: Then they come and see me, so it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's coming up for you in the near future or the next year or so?
1: Yeah. Um, let's see. We are both teaching in, uh, at Camp Improv Utopia in Yosemite in September. So that'll be really fun.
0: Nice.
1: Which Craig has been doing for a few years now. Um, and then we have, what do we have?
2: We're doing the Alchemy Comedy Fest in Greenville, South Carolina. Yep. That's in November. November. Uh, this weekend I'm about to go to, uh, for Labor Day weekend, I'm going to Austin, Texas with the uh, Dasariski to do the Out of Bounds Festival. Um, yeah, that Yosemite, uh, camp we really love doing because you get to teach one form to one group of people for the whole weekend. So, uh, she's doing a form called Close Quarters that we've done with Orange Tuxedo, and I'm doing a form called JTS Brown, uh, that I directed in Chicago many years ago. So I think that's it for the rest of 2019 and nothing specific lined up for 2020 other than our regular improv shows at the West side in Santa Monica, Mm -hmm. more Craigslist podcast until we finish that list. And then I also improvise uh, at a theater called dynasty typewriter in LA with some of my uh, friends from the thrilling adventure hour podcast.
0: Cool. cool. And um, I did, I, I think I took a class with Bob in Sarasota this year. Oh, yeah. And it was a fantastic class. He had us moving right away. It was wonderful. Oh, we, good. So say hello to him and thank him for that great class experience I had.
2: We I would, sure will.
0: I would like to take more workshops with the two of you because what I loved about your style was, first of all, it felt relaxed. But it constantly felt supported and validated. And I think we were only together an hour and a half, but I just came out wanting more because oh, you were so nice. kind and skilled. A- and I sometimes classes, people, some teachers aren't always kind, uh, Yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, you, you've made a real difference and I'm so excited to know you, both of Thank you. Thank you. I'd love to spend more time with you. Uh, maybe yeah. I'll get to LA someday, I don't know. Yes, I- please. I did want to ask you: Did you do much Spolen work? You studied with Dell and Sharna, and did they? Was he integrating Spolen work when you went in, or was it just a different page entirely?
2: I think it was a different page entirely, but I think everything is based on the Spolen games. Uh, we, actually, we've got the book right here on our <laughs> sitting right here. <laughs> the Improvisation for the Theater is sitting on our coffee table right now. Well, I've got so. it. This is my
1: book. It's I... Carlos' copy.
2: <laughs> I've, uh, I haven't looked at it, haven't it in years. It. <laughs> but uh, it, the weird thing at this point, it's all those games are internalized, you know, and they have probably been altered and bastardized in different ways. But I feel like all improvisers know them, but it's probably good to get back to the source.
1: And then for me, I and just anything that Second City did that was based in Spolen work, but it was never specifically called out in that way. There is one man named Mark Worzeka, who was, um, for a while, he was the artistic director at Second City in Hollywood, and he does a lot of Spolen work, and I kind of um, studied with him, and he was a little bit of a mentor for me, but the reason I have this book is because I'm directing this play, and there's this great stuff in the back about directing for theater
0: the wonderful book isn't it
1: yeah it is wonderful. so so i've just been kind of referencing that um since my background is mostly in improv finding a way to fuse those two things
0: and what was the name of the person you're working with i couldn't quite hear it clearly
1: it was uh mark worzeka and okay. he's uh yeah he's he teaches a lot still he teaches at second city hollywood
0: that's cool i got to interview carol sills who edited viola's work oh. And it was really fascinating to talk to her and hear more about, you know, all the different editions they went through and some of the changes she made with specific words, which I can't tell you right now, I can't remember. But that piece of improv history is so interesting. And they were there during the 60s when uh, before you guys were very old. I remember (laughs) the 60s. I was at Woodstock, actually.
1: Oh, wow, cool.
0: Uh, Anyway, uh, that time of revolution in the country you know in the six, like 68 in chicago and the improvisational theater was growing so much at that time as well so i think there's a real sense of community with improvisers for the most part do you feel yeah. that
1: absolutely most of my friends <laughs> my close friends are improvisers or i met doing improv somewhere at some point
2: Yeah, I don't know what it's like to be in the army, but I almost imagine that like, when I run into people I improvised with 25 years ago and haven't seen them since, it is like running into an old war buddy in Uh, in a way.
0: Yeah, I bet it is. So again, I've thanked you many times, but I'm really speaking to both of you together. It's such a thrill. And have you done
1: many interviews like this with both of you there? No. No,
2: it's fun to do it together.
1: Yeah, I don't think we've ever done this. Thank you for having us. Thanks for being patient while we figured it out.
0: Yeah, and um, I know it's going to get a lot of favorable attention online. I have a lot of wonderful followers who love improv and some who don't even know about improv, but they find us interesting people. So you're so delightful, and I wish you the best in everything.
1: Thank you. You as well. Best of luck.
0: Keep in touch.
2: Thank you, Margo.